Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. Le climat-wandel erfasst immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. Welcome to our latest edition of Food for Europe, showcasing the policies and politics affecting agriculture and the countryside in our continent today. This is the second of our podcasts looking at the three pillars of the Common Agricultural Policy, or CAP. Previously, we looked at the environment, and this time we're talking about the social dimension of farming policy. And within that broad topic, two issues in particular, generational renewal and social conditionality. We start in Austria, with a couple of young farmers who are making a life for themselves in the countryside. I'm Johannes. I grew up nearby Innsbruck in a small village with farms all around, but we didn't have a farm ourselves. But later I went to university and I found my love for animals and living in, in the landscape outside in a village again and then decided to become a farmer. I'm Christina, I'm from Upper Austria and I didn't grow up on a farm but I went to a farming school and I really fell in love uh, in, for farming in that place and um, pursued that passion later in life. We are in Upper Austria, a region called Mühlviertel, close to the border of Czech Republic and Germany. That's really hilly. In former times, this was all one big forest here. We are currently in our new barn where uh, about 50 goats live. Um, they are brown and have a, a black stripe on the back and they are enjoying the uh, lunch at the moment. And they also can go outside to the pasture and... Um, enjoy their life there. We start our day around half past six and we let the chickens out, we milk the goats. They are already really excited when we come because they want to have their uh, muesli, what they get at milking. And then we feed them and clean everything and often we have to repair something what the goats destroyed. As Johannes and Christina were saying, they love the countryside, but they didn't come from farming families, so there was no land for them to inherit or to take over. To realise their dream of settling down together on a farm, they had to be creative. And that's where the Austrian NGO Perspective Landwirtschaft, Perspective Agriculture, came in. It was created by Boku, the University of Natural Resources and Life Science in Vienna. And it helps new entrants to farming, mainly young people, get started by matching them with farmers looking to retire or slow down. We went on the website Perspektive Landwirtschaft and um, it's like, like a dating app for uh, farmers. Uh, and we found this, fam this farm and this family and we visited them and we liked it on the first sight. It's like getting new family members, I think. Because you don't know them so well at the beginning, but uh, you do a lot together and you see each other every day. It's like really close neighbors or new, new family. The former farmers, they stay even on the place. They have their living rooms and everything still there. 
but the farm keeps going and it's not like um, they retire and everything is closed and falls apart. So it's like a win-win situation, hopefully. The most important thing you need is a, a farmer f family that really wants to uh, keep the farm living because they could sell everything and get more money than we could offer them. But uh, they need the drive that the farm stays alive. And we were very lucky to find that. Johannes and Christina there. Thanks to them and to our reporter, Chris Cummins. Now for a closer look at Perspective Landwirtschaft, which, just as Christina mentioned, is effectively a dating app for farmers and would-be farmers looking to get into the profession, what's known as extrafamilial succession. We spoke to Florian Jungreismeyer from Perspective Landwirtschaft, who started by explaining how it all began. Our association uh, was founded at BOKO, at the University of Natural Resources and Life Science, in 2013. And the students, they studied agriculture and they asked the question, okay, how do we actually get into farming? How do we um, can take over a farm? Because the students who founded Perspektive Landwirtschaft uh, were not coming from a farmer's family. So, yeah, the question was, how can we really enter into farming? How can we be farmers and do what we're studying? So these are not cases where a parent hands the farm onto a son or daughter. But after a lifetime on the land, surely the owner wants to know they're handing over to people with a similar passion. Of course, it's very different in the beginning because the farmers don't know who is coming. They have to uh, trust the people to, who want to take over the farm. Human relationships, that can be difficult, of course. But to be honest, this is really not a matter of extra familial farm succession. This is a, a matter of getting different generations living together. And um, there are so many uh, good opportunities how you can solve uh, these problems. Okay, so one possibility at the beginning is for owner and wannabe buyer to live together on the farm to pass on knowledge and check for compatibility. Exactly. Of course, of course, at the beginning, it's good if you lease the land. There should be this initial phase where you can find trust, where you can get to know each other. And this is very important. And for this, there should also be a little more support. And this is like really the difficult phase. But um, yeah, after leasing it, yeah, there are other ways how you can, can deal with getting the farm or taking the farm over. Your professional life revolves around generational renewal on farms. What excites you about this process? What makes me positive is the phenomenon that a lot of young people try to get into farming. It's really good that new ideas are coming into farming because I think if there is no new ideas, if there is no changing of, of people, if it's always in the same family, and there's also a lack of, of, of ideas and, and innovation and extra familial farm succession can bring these ideas to become reality. But what about the challenges you face in helping the process of generational renewal? First of all, in Austria, it's really the taxes. Um, if you get to a farm extra familial, then you face the problem of paying a lot of taxes, depending on how, how good is the farm, how old is the farm. Um, but this is really one of the main problems they face at the beginning. And it would also be a big help to maybe have subsidies or have um, any solution for the initial phase. Because, of course, um, for, a young, for young people, for family, it's really difficult to change the life. Thanks to Florian from Perspective Landwirtschaft. Now from Austria to neighbouring Slovenia. And we spoke to Doris Letina, 
an apple farmer who's also a vice president of the European Council of Young Farmers. And she began by explaining to me that only 6% of farmers in the EU are young farmers like her. Indeed, it's very challenging. That's for sure. That's 6% of those who will provide us food, not just today, but also tomorrow. And I'm sure we are not realizing what does that mean, that it's extremely important that we take care of young farmers who need uh, to have broad toolkits that he can choose how to develop the farm. And and here I need to uh, point out that we have very diverse farms in the Europe. Also the labor on the farm and resources of the farm are different. So that's why we need this different uh, and really broad toolkit. Summarize for us, Doris, if you will, the challenges that young farmers are facing. We need to face three main challenges. So the first is for sure access to land uh, for farmers uh, because price of the land are high. Uh, then the second challenge is access to knowledge. Uh, so knowledge and innovation needs to be accessible and affordable for the farmers. And the third challenge, so even though if we have the land, the knowledge, if we don't have money to implement it, uh, it's really, really hard to put it in a, in a practice. Doris, we've just heard there about a case of extrafamilial succession in Austria, but still most farms are passed between generations of the same family. Now, I understand you live and work on the farm with your mum and brother. So what's your perspective on generational renewal? What is the difference between other sectors on the farm? You're living and working with the same people. So you're, you're at the breakfast with the people who then you have fight in, in the middle of the day and then you need to sit with them at the dinner. And it's, uh, it's not easy because if you have the job, you, you go to the job, you're eight hours there, you then go home, you relax a bit. Working on the farm, it's very lonely, <laughs> but also the network of the farmer, it's uh, smaller. And that's why generational renewal is very complex. So farming professionally and personally can be intense. What are the implications of that for individuals? Farmer needs to take care of everything. But we are forgetting that also it's sometimes good to take care about yourself. Uh, so yeah, free time, it's important. There is four times more suicides by the farmers, farm job profile than any other job profiles. And that's something we need to speak about more. Thanks, Doris. Now, let's pick up on her final point, which alluded to social life and pressures in the countryside, part of the broader issue of social conditionality. First, we need to define what that term means. So I spoke to Enrico Somalia, the Deputy Secretary General of the European Federation of Food, Agriculture and Tourism Trade Unions, IFAT. Social conditionality means no public money to employers not respecting worker rights. So it is as simple as that. And uh, it means that if European taxpayer, through the common agricultural policy, provides support to you as an employer in the agricultural sector, well, as a minimum requirement, uh, you are expected to respect uh, the conditions of the workers that allow your activity to run. So social conditionality, it is a principle which is uh, fair and that uh, ensures social justice in one of the most uh, precarious sectors of the economy. I asked Enrico to tell me a bit more about the precarious nature of working in agriculture. 
Challenges for working people in agriculture are, are several in Europe. Low wages, precarious work, unrecording working hours, lack of social security coverage, deplorable housing conditions. In, moreover, agriculture is one of the most dangerous sectors in the economy with a very high level of fatal and of fatal accidents. And finally, let's not forget that agriculture has also a very important rate of undeclared work. So social conditionality can really help in improving working conditions in the agricultural sector, can really help in tackling uh, all these issues and raising labor standards in one of the most precarious sectors of the economy. Enrico was keen to stress to us that while he welcomes the new CAP's embrace of social conditionality, there's definitely room for improvement. So we didn't get everything that we were campaigning for, but it is definitely a positive step in the right direction. Uh, now we need to ensure that it works in practice, that it is uh, well implemented by member states. And then we need to ensure that uh, uh, in the ne- at the next cap reform, the whole pillar of social conditionality, it's, uh, it's improved. And in this respect, we are already, already working with our affiliates to ba- come up with uh, concrete ideas and proposals to ensure that uh, it can really deliver even more in the future. Thanks to Enrico Somalia from IFAT there. Now it's welcome to Margaret Bateson and Maria Gaffo from the European Commission's DG Agri, Head of Unit and Deputy Head of Unit respectively for Social Sustainability. Margaret, first to you. The CAP has three pillars, environmental, economic and social. So tell us a bit more about how you fit into that structure. I think we all agree that environmental sustainability is extremely important and it it also has to be economically viable so that, uh, you know, if it's not profitable, no one will farm. But sometimes the social sustainability gets a bit forgotten about and it's necessary to ensure a decent quality of life for all in the farming community. And in my unit, we deal with a lot of, of interesting social topics such as equality, social inclusion, mental health and demography, as well as the societal issues of pesticides, new genomic techniques and animal welfare. And we deal with a number of measures which support social sustainability of farming. Maria, let's talk about generational renewal. Give us some idea of the scale of the challenge from your perspective. Just to put on the table some figures, the first one is that the age of farmers is increasing, and while the average European is 44 years old, the average EU farmer is 57, and only one out of 10 farmers is considered as young farmer, and by this we mean less than 40 years old. You have heard already Doris, but the situation for young female farmers is even worse. So um, in the case of women, only one out of 20 farmers is a young female farmer, And if we want to ensure the future of agriculture, if we want to secure our food, we need to address this issue seriously and at all possible levels. And you're certainly taking it seriously in the European Commission. Yes, exactly. So um, the first um, issue to mention is that generational renewal is a priority under the new common agricultural policy to attract and sustain young farmers. And we expect that around 380,000 young farmers will be established in this period with the support of the CAP strategic plans. Strategies to benefit young farmers generally include a combination of several interventions such as complementary income support for young farmers, installation aid, grants, cooperation with older farmers for the transfer of agricultural holdings, etc. Yes, just as we heard at the start of the programme with the story of Johannes and Christina. It's a broad package of assistance measures, but is it enough? Well, if I am honest, um, not really. 
Many young people in farming find it difficult that their profession is not duly recognized by the society. Despite the profession being essential for all of us, because all of us need to eat, so we have to do much, much more to raise the awareness about farmers' contribution to our societies and make the farming profession attractive for young people. We have to make sure that they are present in every room where decisions are being taken. Margaret, back to you. Take us through just what a milestone it was to include social conditionality in the current common agricultural policy. Including this social dimension in the cap was a very historic step. And I have to say, I think a lot of the member states were very opposed to it. So what we achieved, obviously, was a compromise. And the mechanism for social conditionality in the in the present cap is, as Enrico says, a positive step in the right direction, while it doesn't, of course, go quite as far as EFAT would like. But it is a solid foundation that we can build on in future cap reforms to ensure that farm workers in the EU are treated correctly. It's a good start. Yes, there are four countries, Austria, Luxembourg, Italy and France, that have already begun implementing social conditionality ahead of time. But the Commission isn't a police force. So what can you do to make sure that member states commit to social conditionality? The enforcement aspect is actually quite tricky. The treaties give the competence for social and labour legislation to the member states. And member states enforce in many different ways. Some of them do on-the-spot checks, but there's no specification as to the frequency of such checks. Others will do it via their social partners, um, via their unions, and uh, and then others maybe will do a communication campaign of some sort, uh, which has been quite successful in some member states, particularly as far as safety and health are concerned. But really we are relying on member states' existing labour authorities who, who should carry out controls on the ground. So already, even at this early stage of the new cap... Plenty to think about in terms of strengthening that social pillar even more. Maria, Margaret, thanks to you both for your perspectives on the social element of EU farming policy, without which, of course, agriculture simply wouldn't exist, let alone flourish. And thanks to our other guests, too. That's all for this episode of Food for Europe. Join us again next time for another perspective on European farming and food. Until then... Bon appétit. Organic farming is steadily increasing. That's good. Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. Le climat-wandel erfasst immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. 